want to invite you to, to join me as we pray and commit this time to the Lord. God, I thank you so much that you are with us right now. I thank you for the work that you are doing around the world. I thank you for the work that you are doing here in Salem. I thank you for the work that you do on an individual level for each of us. God, may we listen to you right now as you desire to speak to us. Lord, I pray that my words would be the words that you would have me say. I pray that it might be given by your Spirit's power. I pray that it might be consistent with what you have revealed to us from your word. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may have noticed um, on the front of the bulletin it said these words up here. Go with the next slide there. There we go. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? These are words that you have probably heard if you've been on a road trip before. Are we there yet? I've taken a number of road trips with my family, and, and I have heard those words spoken a number of times from one of my kids in particular, and I will not mention this, which of these kids it is, but usually it is, Dad, are we there yet? It's kind of almost with some disgust, like, come on, Dad, are we there yet? Come on, are we there yet? Uh, I was a youth pastor for quite a few years and took numerous trips on the road. We went many, many miles. And when we would drive, a lot of times on those trips, we would hear those words, are we there yet? And a lot of times they were asked out of really, I really want to know, are we there yet? How much longer until we are going to be there? Or sometimes it was just kind of in jest. Oh, Pastor Nate, are we there yet? Just kind of this, just joking. Because we just know if we're going to be on a road trip, then we're going to be asking those, those questions. I still remember the very first time that we were on a road trip, heading down to Southern California with a youth group. And um, youth are always technologically advanced beyond me, and it, most people are. But they, they, they definitely were. And I remember they had a GPS in their phone. And this was years ago before everyone had a GPS in their phone. And I remember thinking, they told me, oh, we should be there in about another 10 hours and 47 minutes or whatever it was. And I was like, how do you know? And then I realized, oh, they have it on their phone. And so they were no longer asking me, are we there yet? But they were asking Marissa in this case, Marissa, are we there yet? I want to know if we're there yet. <laughs> do you... Do you like road trips? I'm just, I'm curious. Some people like to actually get in their car and go for a long drive. Do you like road trips? If you like road trips, let me know. Okay, and then there are those people that can't stand a road trip. I don't like the road trip. Don't want to do the road trip. I I would much rather fly to the destination that we're going. I was talking right before Christmas with one of our, our family members, one of our church family members here, and she said that she was going to Pennsylvania for Christmas with the family. I said, oh, wow. I said, so you guys are all going to fly over there? She said, no, we're going to drive. I said, you're going to drive? You are a brave soul. She said, oh, we love it. It's like, you love it? You love it that much? Oh, we've got a lot of stops along the way. It's great. Looking forward to it. For for one one family or one person, it's like, I love it. I love the road trip. I want it. It's therapy. 
get in the car and we can just hit the road. It's, it's therapy. And then for another, it's like, ah, oh, it's a migraine. That's a migraine maker. Everyone's a bit different. I think that leading a church family, and I think that being a church family and taking a road trip can have some similarity. Think about it with me. It doesn't hurt to take a few pit stops along the way and maybe even pull out the Frisbee or the baseball and glove and enjoy. Whenever I've taken a road trip with my family, it's, it's nice to get out and, and to actually just like, hey, pull out the snacks or we do baseball and glove and toss that um, back and forth. The, the baseball, not just the glove. The baseball and the glove. We enjoy doing that. It, it's good to just stop. For us as a family, there's times where it's good for us to stop along the way, have fun together. We need to do that. Or part of the experience of a road trip is learning how to get along with those we are seated next to. Isn't it? How often have we said, hey, keep your hands to yourself. Put your hands on your lap. Sit on your hands. Whatever it takes. I remember, I used to hear those words. I was the oldest brother. And so it was words I would hear often. Nathan, would you keep your hands to yourself? Leave your brothers alone. I heard that often. And now I find myself as a father saying that to my own kids. You've got a spot. Keep your hands on your side. Learn how to get along with those you are seated next to. The church family. We have to do that too, don't we? Don't look too awkwardly at the person next to you or down the pew from you. But part of what we're doing here as a family is learning how to get along with those we are seated next to. Or we want to know where we're going and how much longer until we get there. So where are we actually going anyways? And how long until we get there? That's a legitimate question, isn't it? Now, I think in a church family, we want to kind of know the same thing, don't we? So where are we actually going as a church? Where is this church going? And how long until we're going to be there? Interesting thing about a church family. Do we ever get there? I think we're always working at getting there. But we must know where we're going as a church family. Just like we've got to know if we're taking a road trip. Or the fourth thing I was thinking with how a church family, being part of a church family, is similar to taking a road trip. We can get so focused on where we're going that we forget to enjoy where we're at. Man, I'm so, I am so guilty of this on road trips. We took a road trip this last year. A couple of years ago, we took a road trip, meaning big road trips, um, and, and for me, my personality is the kind that I'm type A and I want to get there. I want to know where I'm going and I want to get there. And I'm just counting down the hours until we're there. And I know that with every pit stop, oh, there just went 20 minutes. It's going to take us another 20 minutes. Going to have to recalculate that one. Going to have to, it's going to take us a bit longer to get there. And so there's that part of me that is, let's get there. And my wife is the one who isn't, is, she reminds me, Nathan, it's not just about getting to your destination. 
We've got to enjoy that, those moments together while we're there trying to get there. And I think in a church family, it can be similar. Last decade or two, churches have been talking a lot about mission and purpose and core values and stuff like that and knowing who we are and knowing where we're going. And these are, th- these are good things in the evangelical circle. But sometimes I think that we can get so focused on where we're going that we forget to actually enjoy where we're at and enjoy these moments. I had a moment probably close to a year ago, nine months ago maybe. Now I know that for me coming here as your pastor, one of the things that the search committee asked was, can you help us grow? Can you help our church grow numerically? Can you help us grow? And so I, I knew that was part of what I needed to do. It's part of what I wanted to do. And yet there was this moment, maybe nine months ago or, or so, where God, I felt like God just spoke to me and said, Nathan, if this is the number that you have, are you content with that? If this is what God had, God, God, I felt like God was saying to me, if this is what I have for you, are you content with that? And, and I, I had to wrestle with that. And my thought was, God, I will be content. God, if this is what you have, and I give you praise for that, who am I to determine whether or not this is success or not, or what success is? Are you enjoying the moment? Are you enjoying where you're at? I trust that you are. God has given me the responsibility of leading this church family. Fortunately, I don't have to do it alone. I'm grateful for that. I have the Holy Spirit who indwells me, empowers me, and encourages me. And he does that for you if you have a relationship with Christ. I have this. I have a team of leaders. Steve, Dave, Mike, Mark is on the road this weekend. Elders who we serve together. And it's not just us as elders, but our wives who are there, who are extremely important and part of this picture as well. I'm I'm looking forward to, at the end of January, the elders and wives are going to go on a retreat together. First retreat together in a long time. Be praying for us. As, as we come together and as we work together, I'm so grateful that we can work together. We need each other. There's the operations committee who serves in leadership. There's Sunday school teachers who serve in leadership. I'm so thankful that God brought Seth and Jesse to this church to help, to help kind of lighten my load in the area of the youth ministry. I'm grateful that I don't have to do this alone. Leading this church family is a challenge. There was a point in leading this church family where I began to think to myself. I found myself at first thinking, this is, this is a piece of cake. This is easy. Because my plate was really full in Dallas. And, and so I thought, oh, this is easy. 
And then the longer I'm here, the fuller my plate gets. And there's been those moments where I felt like, God, I can't do this. And I felt like God has just said, that's okay. No, you can't. You can't do this. This is a challenge. It's a challenge to grow a church body. It's also a joy. This is a privilege. I love leading Kingwood Bible Church. A year ago, I spoke with you, if you were here at that point, I spoke with you a year ago, the very first Sunday in January, and I said, I want to give you one word which kind of would encompass what I would like to see happen this coming year at Kingwood Bible Church. And that one word that I passed on to you was the word equip. Now, I really haven't drawn much attention to that word this last year. There was one time in February where I came back to that word and I said, I want to remind you that this year I want us to focus on equipping the body to be able to do the work of the ministry. And though I haven't been talking about that a lot, I hope that you can see that woven through this past year. I think of the spiritual gifts test that we took as a church family about a year ago. That is equipping us as a church family to know our gifting and know how God wants to use us in building his church. How he is going to use you in building this church. See, it's not just the pastor. It is us doing this together. I think about this past year where we have done the best we can to equip nursery with the workers that it needs. The children's ministry and the youth ministry with the workers and the resources that we need. Do we have more that needs to be done? Absolutely. But you know what? We've come a long way in this last year. I think about us focusing on the timeless truths of Scripture, knowing that it is God's words, not mine, that equip us week after week. I think about even even equipping in the sense of giving the facility a facelift. That is actually helping us to function as a family. It's maybe not relational, but it is still equipping us so that we can do that which we are supposed to do. 2019. Can you believe that in two more days? Here it is. 2019. This year. This year, I want to give you another word. Can I give you another word? The word I want to give you for 2019 is the word pray. I've been asking the Lord the last couple months, not that we have to have a word for the year. There's nowhere in Scripture where it says, oh, you have to have a word. But, but for me, I like to think in terms of, can I just bring it down? Can I simplify it to a word? Is there a word I can use to convey what, I, what my heart wants to see? And really, beyond my heart, what I believe God's heart is saying to Kingwood Bible Church. And as I've been thinking about this, I know there are people in our church body that would say, Nate, the word I want or the words I want, let's reach out. Let's go beyond these walls. Let's do a work. 
And there's part of me that says, yes, yes, let's do that. And, and we will. And yet, as I've been thinking about that, and I think about who our body is, our church body, our church family. My thought in that was, I felt like God said, if we are going to just simply go out there and begin working, we're premature. We're, we're not there. I felt like God was just saying, Nate, I really want you. I want you as a family, as a church family. To make this a year of prayer. Make this a year where you will pray. Would you consider for a moment? What are areas that you need to be praying in? You know, as, as believers, aren't we guilty of being people that talk about praying? And do not do it. I know I am. We, we talk about praying and we do not do it. Or have you prayed about that? Oh yeah, I prayed about that. I, I prayed about it once for a moment. And then I moved on. As, as though God is supposed to just answer my, my, my request immediately. And I move on so quickly. Are you a person of prayer? Are you praying? What do you need to pray for? I want you to consider these four verses here. Solomon, if you would advance these, thank you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Next verse, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, there's that word again, that thanksgiving word. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Colossians 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Romans 12, verse 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. How's your prayer life? How is your prayer life? How would you define your prayer life? How would God define your prayer life? I'm not just trying to come to you giving you something, a tool that you don't even want to use. I'm not trying to guilt you. But I want you to think about this honestly this morning. Are you a person of prayer? And then I want us to think about whether we are a people of prayer. But you know what? We cannot be a people of prayer unless I am first a person of prayer. How can I collectively pray if I myself am not praying? Are you a person of prayer? Take your Bible. Turn to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. Verses 14 through 16. If you need a Bible, there is a Bible in the pew rack in front of you. You're welcome to follow along there. Um, or you're welcome to just simply listen. 
For those of you who um, use the bulletin and you read the bulletin and follow along in the bulletin, I recognize that that the passage that I am using today is not the passage I requested to have put in there. That is my own fault, okay? Um, On Friday after the bulletins were printed, um, I realized that um, the passage I had was not the direction I needed to go. And so this is a passage that we're going to look at. Hebrews chapter 4, verses, just a few verses here. Verses 14 through 16. It says this, Therefore, that would be in light of all the other things that have been said before this that we will not look at this morning. But therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet without sin. Stop there really quick. We have a great high priest. Who is this? It's Jesus Jesus is our great high priest. We go to him. He hears us. And we also notice that Jesus is the one who sympathizes with our weaknesses. He understands our weaknesses. Why? Because he became a baby. Because he he stepped down here and took on flesh. He put on humanity. He understands us. Why? Because he was one of us. And yet we also see his deity in this passage, don't we? He understands our weaknesses. And yet he's without sin. He never sinned. Perfectly holy. Righteous. The Son of God. And then look At verse 16, because of this, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I need mercy. You need mercy. We all need mercy. Guess what? We have a high priest who understands our weaknesses, understands what it means to be human, live this life, yet did so in a way without sin. We have Jesus, this high priest, who hears us. And because of him, I have access to the Father and you have access to the Father. We have access to God the Father. We can approach the throne of grace in our time of need. And how can we do this? We can do this with confidence. We can confidently come to the throne of grace. Do you go to your Father? Do you go to the Father in your time of need? If you are like the average American, you go only when you're at the bottom of your rope. 
You go only when you're in trouble. We get ourselves in trouble and then we cry out. God, what are you doing here? God, I need your help. Is that that point that we confidently approach the throne of grace? I'm a little bit torn on that. Part of me feels like it's a slam. It's a slam to God. And part of me also feels like God knows that we're needy people. And if we approach the throne of grace in our time of need, that's okay. Because we often have need. I have need all the time. And if I recognize in my need that I have need and I approach the throne of grace, that's good. And if you do that in your time of need, that's good. About 10 to 12 years ago, God began to convict me. God convicted me, and it went something like this. Nathan, you need to, or Nathan, I would like you to pray more. And, and I appreciate how God did this, because 10 to 12 years ago, he just simply convicted me, Nathan, when you drive to work, I would like you to turn off the music, and I would like you to talk to me. I began to do that. You know, my commute time was a whole five minutes. Six minutes, maybe, if both lights were red. A short commute time. It was Dallas, okay? A short commute time. But it was just simply, Nathan, I want you to communicate with me. Would you just turn off the music and would you just, would you just talk to me? I was a pastor. I thought, I can do that, God. God, I can do that. And so I began doing that. And I oftentimes to this day do that. And there are times where God convicts me and says it again. Nate, turn off the music. Talk to me. Talk to me, I care. About five to seven years ago, God convicted me again. And it came in this form. Nathan, I would like for you to grow in prayer. Nathan, would you be willing to take the time that you spend each morning getting ready? I'm a guy. It's not a long time. But just, Nathan, would you take that time as you're getting ready? And would you talk to me? And my thought was, God, I could do that. I could do that, God. And I began to do that. And oftentimes to this day, I continue, not every day, but oftentimes to this day, I come in prayer. And I oftentimes use the Acts model. Acts, A, adoration. C, confession. T, thanksgiving. S, supplication. I come to God, my Father. I have access to Him through Jesus, and you do too. And I present my request to Him, and I talk with Him. God, 
This is what I'm going through. God, I'm thankful that you know of this. I'm thankful that you care. And God, I'm trusting you in these situations. Two years ago, almost two years ago, two years ago this January, it was January 2017, my wife and I, Kelsey and I, went to a conference, a discipleship conference out in Orlando. It was our second time to go. And while we were there, God spoke to us at this conference. Trying to figure out, a lot of times when I go to a conference, I really kind of go with anticipation of God. I expect that you are going to speak to me, and I am ready to receive what you have for me. And I was, I was listening, and I was kind of in some ways a little bit almost frustrated maybe, that I felt like God wasn't really speaking like I thought he would speak. Doesn't that happen sometimes? We're like, God, I'm ready for this, and then we feel like it's not happening. It's not happening. And then God just kind of all of a sudden at the conference spoke to me and he said, Nathan, you're not praying as I want you to pray. Nathan, would you pray? Nathan, would you continue to learn to pray? Would you continue to learn to seek me? And my thought was, yeah, I can do that. And because I was really quite certain this was God speaking to me. I thought, God, I can do that. Is that what I'm supposed to take away from this discipleship conference? I thought, okay, I can do that. I went home. Two weeks pass. And I came home from work. I go back to our bedroom. And as I'm, as I'm there, I go and sit on a chair. And I just kind of crash And God spoke to me again in that moment. Now, when I say these words, God spoke to me, I'm not saying that he used this audible voice. But but God spoke to my spirit, and I was certain that this is God speaking to me. And he just simply said, Nathan, remember the conference, and remember how I spoke to you and how I challenged you. I challenged you, I want you to grow in prayer. That's all he said. And as I looked down in the chair I was seated at, I looked down and there below me was a book. And the book was a book that I had received at this conference. And it was a book that I, it was put on my table and given to every person at the conference. And at the conference, I thought nothing of it. I actually took it, put it in my backpack, never even read the title. My wife blames me for not reading, and I think that it's probably true. I don't read a lot of times. She's like, you didn't read that. And it's true. I didn't read it. And that book that was given to me at the conference was at my feet. I hadn't seen it when I went to go sit down, but it was at my feet, and I picked it up, and I looked at it. And I thought, oh, this is that book that was given to me. And it said... Draw the circle was the title. And I looked at the subtitle and it said, The 40-Day Prayer Guide. And it was almost as though, God, how can you make this any easier for me? Okay, God. I'm ready. I'm ready. And I took that book and I began to work through it Now, in saying this, I recognize it's just a book. It's not the book. 
It's just a book. But I, I was going to this book, and I was reading this book, and it was just encouraging me and pushing me into greater prayer. And my wife began to go through this book with me, and we're reading it together. And in those 40 days, we took one of those calendars, you know, that are just really small, and we wrote down over those 40 days what happened. And if nothing happened, I put nothing But I just wrote down, here's what happened. I still have that day timer. It's next to my side of the bed. And I look at that. And I look at those 40 days. Because it was in that time that God rocked my world. The conversations that that I encountered, the people that said, Nate, I want to meet with you. I want to talk to you. The ways that God worked in 40 days' time, I went from not being sure if I would come here to Kingwood to being certain that I'm going to Kingwood. God did a work. Now, I share this with you, not because there's anything magical in it. And I share this not because I want you to go by, draw the circle. Matter of fact, I think if you went to go buy the book, and if you were like, oh, I'm going to get a, get a, I'll get a 2019 calendar and I'm going to do the same thing that Nate did. Almost guarantee it will not happen as it happened to me. If I myself even went back and like, God, I want to recreate that. I can't do that. Why? Because I'm after, I'm, I'm after just a book. I'm after this. I want you to pursue Jesus. I want you to pursue Jesus. But you know what? In that moment, I was pursuing Jesus and I knew that God was doing something because the months before that, God was working in my heart in ways that he had not worked. And he was doing something. And I just wanted to listen. Church, I feel like God is saying, I want to do something here. I feel like God is saying, will you seek me? Would you seek me with all your heart? Would you seek after me? Would you pray? Would you come to me? 2019. It's almost here. Would you seek the Lord? Would you seek him with me? Jeremiah 33 verse 3. God said, call to me. And I will answer you and tell you of great and unsearchable things you do not know. Call to me. There are things that we do not know. But we know the one who knows them. Do we call out to him? Are we calling out to him? 1 John 5 verse 14 says, This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. What is it? It is this, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Our Father hears us. He not only hears us, but the passage goes on and it says that he acts. He acts. He may not act as you or I always want. That's okay. He's God and I'm not. But when we come to him, when we seek him, and we pray according to his will, he hears us and he answers. That's who God is.
2019. Would you make this a year of prayer? I believe that God wants to move. I don't, I don't just believe this. I know it. I know God wants to move. I want to move with him. God will move. Can we join him in prayer? Can we join him in what he wants to do here? I trust that you would join me in praying. And I want us to do this collectively. This morning, would you really consider doing this individually? Think about words that Jesus said. When you go into your prayer closet, when you go into your closet, you know, his words are really speaking a lot about this is not a show. I'm not talking about making 2019 a a year to be showy, to have great prayer meetings. Maybe God will, will call us to do that. I don't know. But I'm thinking more individually. Would you use this as a year? God, would you work in my heart? And God, would I have a heart that is willing to respond to you? And as, as you call me, God, I, I want to just simply respond to you. God, I want to seek you. I trust that you'll do that. I trust that I will do that. And then as we are individually doing that, I trust that we'll do that together. Next week, we're going to begin going through the book Galatians. It's not about prayer, necessarily. But in the coming weeks, I'd like you to keep on thinking about being a people, being a person of prayer. And we'll continue to talk about this from time to time this year. God, thank you. God, thank you for the gift that you have given to us of being able to communicate with you, being able to present our requests to you. God, you are a good father. You love us. You love your children. And you hear us when we call out. God, I thank you for that. God, there's times where we are frustrated with you because we feel as though you have not responded appropriately. There are times where we are frustrated with you because we feel like you have been silent. God, forgive us for that. May we... May we learn to trust you. And Father, as we step into 2019, I pray that we would make this a year where we are committing our lives to you, where we are seeking you, and where we are asking you to work and do the things that you, God, want to do. This is your church. This is not my church. This is your church. And so, God, we want to seek you. And we are asking that you would be active and that you would be moving in powerful ways. Thank you, God, that you will do that. We praise you in advance for all that you have in store. The good, the hard, it will all come. But you will be gracious and you will be in it all. We thank you for that. Amen.